Hey, Awakening. Good to see you guys. Happy Wednesday. Again, my name is Nassim, and I'm so glad you guys are here. I hope that you've had a great week so far. I hope that today hasn't been too stressful or anything. And I want to invite you just in this moment for the next half hour, would you put your phone away? Would you put it on silent? Would you grab a Bible out? Maybe if you have a journal and you want to take some notes and just invite you to press into this time and to let God's word wash over you. Really glad you're here. Today is Wednesday, May 20th, and it is my half birthday. (laughs) And yes, I am that person that cares about half birthdays, particularly my own. Um, But really, I think the reason why it's more kind of in, in my face or highlighted this year is because I look back and I cannot believe that November was six months ago right? I cannot believe that the holidays were six months ago. It feels like the start of 2020 was yesterday. And then when I think about the fact that we have been quarantined, sheltered in place for two months now, I'm just like, what? Like, is this real? Like, it's been two months and it kind of just feels like we're in this like surreal reality where time is going by so fast and then it's also kind of going slow. It's just weird, right? And something comforting during this time, I've actually, for the most part, enjoyed this time, but something that's been comforting has been this reciprocated commiseration between people over the things that we miss, right? Like I see it between friends, I see it between neighbors, even people in line at the grocery store, people talking about the things that they missed, they once took for granted before this was all happening. And for me personally, One of the things I miss the most is some of my best friends um, live in San Francisco. And one of our favorite things to do is to just do an SF day and go eat at restaurants on our like bucket list that we have. And I miss that. I mean, we're that group of girls that like impresses our servers with how much we can eat and all the things that we order. And I I miss the ambiance, right? I miss going to a restaurant, um, the people watching of it all, right? Being in a new space and being able to share memories and a meal together. I miss it. I miss the gym. I never thought I would be uttering those words in my life, but here we are. I am now that person. I genuinely miss the gym. What about you? What do you guys miss? If you're watching on our, on our website, tell us in the chat. I want to hear, even if it's something small or big, what is something that you're missing during this time? I've realized that, you know, during this time, like with this current state of affairs we're in, we are waiting, right? We're waiting on the city, we're waiting on the county, the government to give us next steps, right? Like, what do we do from here? We're kind of just every day waiting for some sort of news. And it seems like what would be best, right? The solution would be this illuminated path or like just some guidance of like, what do we do? And this is why we need Psalm 25 this evening. Before we dive into Psalm 25, I wanted to just set some context for you, right? Because context is key. Set the backstory a little bit. So Psalm 25 was written by David, and David is a very unique, interesting character in the Bible, right? He has such an amazing lifespan before him. You think about David in his early life, right, when he was anointed that he was going to be king, how he leads against all odds, and just so many stories, right? Then when he becomes appointed to be king, there's a huge chunk of just seeing God use him in mighty ways. And then when he reaches kind of mid-adulthood, David falls into some darkness, right? Some sin, and his life kind of takes an interesting turn. And so that is the time frame when Psalm 25 has been written. To give you kind of just a little bit more information about David's life during this particular time, 
I'll tell you, it's kind of like an episode out of a soap opera, if you will. So what happens is David is married and David ends up cheating on his wife with a married woman. Her name is Bathsheba. On top of that, he gets her pregnant and it doesn't end there. On top of getting her pregnant, he also then decides in kind of an attempt to just take off the attention off himself, he decides to have her husband killed on purpose. And then on top of that, if that wasn't enough, his own son, David's own son, is during the time of this psalm being written, his son is about to lead a revolt against his own father. Family drama, right? That's a lot. That's really heavy. And so when I sit back and I think about this, I can only imagine the amount of shame, anger, right? Strife, pride, guilt, right? All these emotions that David must be feeling during this time of writing this psalm. And, you know, theologian Charles Spurgeon has said that this Psalm 25 is through, he says, through this Psalm, we see the heart of the man after God's own heart. I love that. Through this Psalm, we see the heart of the man after God's own heart. And this Psalm is is 22 verses long. So I'm not going to read all of it tonight, but encourage you to read it all in depth in your own time. But I did want to set the scene for us a little bit and kind of walk us through a few of the Psalms, a few of the verses just so you can get a picture of David's heart during this time when he's talking to God. So let's start. Verse one, David says, Oh Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. Verse four, show me the right path, oh Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. He continues, Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. That's verse five. He can then continues in verse eight. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. Verse 10. The Lord leads with an unfailing love and a faithfulness to all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. Who are those who fear the Lord? he will show them the path that they should choose. And finally, verses 15 and 20, he says, my eyes are always on the Lord for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Protect me, God, rescue my life from these enemies. Do not let me be disgraced for in you I take refuge. Amen. So if I were to kind of put this Psalm in a nutshell, the way I would describe it is event session. You know what that is, right? Event session, right? We all need a good old event session. I am an extremely verbal processor. And so for me, it is so therapeutic to have those people that I feel safe with to vent to, right? We see that in this Psalm, it has all the good ingredients, all the ingredients of a good old event session. It has, you know, reliance. It has trust in someone. For David, that's God, right? For many of us, it could be God or our community, which is so important. There's lament, there's proclamations of truth. All of that mixed together makes such a good old vent sesh. I think about myself too. You know, there's moments where if I'm, let's say God's teaching me something, if I'm learning something, it gives me so much joy just to call up someone and talk to them. Like, this is what I'm learning. Like, what do you think? Like, have you experienced this before? Other times when I'm going through a really tough time and, um, you know, this season is, has definitely been tough for many of us, right? And just being able to lament and to vent to someone, be like, hey, here's what I'm feeling. Like, wh- what advice do you have for me, right? Like, how can you spur me on? 
And then there's other times when the venting is just more casual. Um, there's times where I'm just being my usual Nassim self and I'm just obsessing over something probably like pop culture related. And I just want to vent to someone like, hey, I'm obsessing over this. Like, what do you think? Right? There's so much beauty in being able to vent to our people and to the Lord. And so to be honest, I look at this Psalm and I look at David venting to God and I see so much of myself in this season, the way that I vent to God in this particular season. Um, usually, you know, in the past, I pray a lot when I drive, like that's my time, you know, by myself, I put worship music on and I'll just be praying. And because of this quarantine season, obviously I'm not driving as much. And so my time with the Lord, especially in prayer, a lot of the time, this vent session with God looks like on my walks. I've been taking a lot of walks. And sometimes I'll be venting to a friend. And oftentimes on those walks, I am venting to God, right? I'm spewing out truth and reminding myself of his scripture. I'm giving my emotions to God, right? If I'm angry or fearful or sad, I'm meditating on him. I'm reflecting on his truth. And I know you might be thinking, like, imagining me, like, walking and praying out loud, like, I might look a little crazy, but I do want to say, like, I usually do it at night so no one can see me. And if I do it in the daylight, I have my AirPods in. So I look like I'm, you know, on the phone or something. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> my point is, is I really do feel like my walk with God parallels David, right? Venting to God during this time. And I love seeing how David processes this psalm. It's almost like he's processing like God's character simultaneously while he's just reflecting, while he's meditating. It's really beautiful. And as I was sitting with this psalm and as I was praying about what to share today and just praying for just like a truth to pop out at me, I realized that there's a question that I think that many of us wrestle with, especially during this time of quarantine. That question is, what is God's path for my life? right? I think for many of us, we're, we're constantly stuck with this question, right? Like, God, what is the next step for me? What choice do I make with all these different options before me? Like, what is God's path for my life? I'm, I'm sure for many, especially millennials or Gen Z watching this, maybe that question immediately drew you in, right? It's kind of like clickbait. Like you see all these articles online that talk about, you know, five steps for a perfect career path, right? Or how do you know who you should date? This or that. It's kind of like the matrix, like the blue pill or the red pill. You get my point. And as I was reflecting and praying, I just had this aha moment where I realized, I think, dare I say, we might be asking the wrong question. See, instead of asking God, what path should I take? I think the question is, what path am I on? Right? What path am I on? Who am I becoming? I was nerding out a little bit on the Hebrew translation of this psalm in my preparation. And I was looking at the word path specifically, right? David refers to path a lot in the psalm. And I noticed in my research that there's actually two words in Hebrew for the word path. It's really interesting. And the cool thing is, is that in the Hebrew language, there is no synonyms. So every word actually has its unique, uh, distinct definition. So the first word for path in Hebrew is the word direct. Direct means direction, right? Like which way should I go? What direction? It's interesting to note that is not the translation for path that David's referring to in this psalm. No, the word for path in this psalm is the word orach. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. The word orach in Hebrew means a way of living, a way of living. Isn't that so interesting? And so let us look at path tonight, not through our own eyes, right? How we would directionally, but let's look at it the way that David does, right? What is my way of living? 
So instead of looking at a direction like, you know, in, in a sea of options before me of like how many, you know, what job do I take or where do I move? Let's instead look at who am I becoming, right? What is my way of living? As I wander or as I sojourn through this life, where am I walking, right? And so for many of you maybe watching tonight, I think that, you know, it's valid to note that during this time, it might seem like life is on pause, right? Like, everything is canceled, it seems, right? Like, it's kind of like you might be thinking, I don't know where I'm walking. I feel like everything is just put on pause. And I want to encourage you that no time is wasted. No time is wasted. Like, God is not pressed pause on this time. We are all wandering somewhere. We are all walking on a path. Whether for some of us, it's slow, step-by-step. Maybe others, it's more of a sprint or a jog. The pacing might look different, but we're all wandering somewhere. And so as we're wandering... I want us to look at three little nuggets of what I'm calling a life on God's good path, or put another way, this way of living that God has for us that David beautifully outlines, right? And so the first, a life on God's good path is a life that is completely surrendered to God, completely surrendered to God. I think it's beautiful if we look at verse one and two, David immediately starts this Psalm by saying, God, I give my life to you. God, I trust in you. See, I think that that words like that can often be just kind of glossed over, right? When, especially in a Christian circle, I think that we hear those phrases a lot, right? God, I trust in you. God, I surrender to you. But what does that look like, right? Why do we do it or how do we do it? You know, and I look at this point in time and I think that, you know, we're all at a juncture, right? There might be some of us today where we're like, why would I even surrender? Like, I feel like I'm so out of control. Like, again, like I feel aimless. I don't know what my path is. And I want to encourage you, what if that juncture is exactly where God wants you to be tonight, right? Like we're at this moment where we can either be like, okay, God, like I'm out of control. So I'm just going to cling so tightly to my circumstances and just do it my way because I don't know what to do. Or God, I loosen my grip. God, I surrender to you because I want your will for my life, for my circumstances. And the beautiful thing is, guys, when we kind of hit the end of ourselves in that moment, right, of surrender, we reach the beginning of God. It's beautiful. When we hit the end of ourselves, we reach the beginning of God. And so when we look at surrender, I know that that might seem very theoretical. And there might be some of you tonight, maybe you're a little bit more practical. And there are so many ways that we can surrender. But just wanted to give you two little nuggets of just advice on how to start. The first is surrendering when it comes to our thoughts, right? Surrendering when it comes to our thoughts. Studies show that humans think about 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. That is close to 3,000 thoughts an hour. That's wild. (laughs) And studies also show that 75 to 80% of those thoughts are negative. How sad is that? That's so self-destructive, right? It's so sad. And, you know, our, our thoughts can start fires. What I mean by that is you look at our thoughts and that's kind of like that starting ground. It's that spark that kind of lights a fire when it comes to our thoughts leading to our emotions, right? Leading to how we feel. Then leading to the narrative that we tell ourselves, right? Then to our behaviors, to our actions, so on and so forth. I'm sure many of you have heard that trajectory, right? And so when I think about that, I'm like, man, that's, it's sad, right? And then when I juxtapose it with God's thoughts and how God thinks about us, I'm so encouraged. 
we read in, in Psalm 139, God says his thoughts for us are precious. His thoughts for us outnumber the grains of sand. That's wild, right? I'll read it. Psalm 139, 17 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is their sum. If I were to count them, they would unnumber, outnumber the grains of sand. It's so beautiful. And so I wonder, what would it look like when it comes to surrendering our thoughts? If we prayed a prayer that was like, God, help me to take control of my thoughts the moment they start, right? The word says to take every thought captive. What would it look like, God, for my thoughts to be more attuned to what you think about me, to how you think? Uh, Paul reminds us, I'm reminded of Philippians 4. He says, think about such things, things that are right, things that are true, things that are noble, Think of such things. What a beautiful anchor that is for our thoughts, right? And the good news is that we have a choice, right? We have that power in him. We are not victim to circumstance or to our emotions. They don't have to be the lead, right? They don't have to take the driver's seat. We can control and take those thoughts captive the moment they start, right? So it starts with surrender in our thoughts. And then another little nugget when it comes to surrender is surrender also looks like developing this posture of having a healthy fear of the Lord. I know when I mentioned that, maybe for some of you might think fear of the Lord, like, am I supposed to be scared of God? And I want to explain that a little bit more. So what I mean by that is fear of the Lord in the Bible, it looks like having a healthy awe and a reverence for God, right? Think about if you were to meet the person, right? An athlete or someone that you look up to, a celebrity, someone you've been dying to meet, how would you react this is a really funny example. I'm going to put myself on blast, but I think it really fits. Um, fun fact about me is I am obsessed with the Backstreet Boys. I love them. I'm their biggest fan. And a few years ago, I had the opportunity to meet them. And that's a whole different story for a different time. I'd love to tell you. But I remember leading up to the moment when I was going to meet them, I had this whole script in mind of like what I would say, right? I had this entire thing prepared. And when I got up to meet them, I was overtaken with awe. I was awestruck. It didn't come out the way that I thought. I kind of made a fool of myself. And I say that because then I think, wow, how much more awe and reverence would we have in the presence of our God, of our Father, of this sovereign omnipotent, omniscient king of this universe, right? And so when we start our prayers, when we start our time with God, with this posture of surrender, when we invite him in, we're able to hear from God, right? We're able to be like, God, I'm, I've come to the end of myself. I want to hear from you. I'm just in awe of you. We kind of silence ourselves before him, right? We let him speak. We let him move. It's so beautiful. I think of David in verse 12 too. He makes note of this. He says, who are those who feared the Lord? he will show them the path that they should choose, right? And so that reminds me, this fear of the Lord, this reverence for God, that's also the beginning of wisdom, right? Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So for many of us, you know, when we're stuck in the unknown, when we're stuck in this uncertain time, even during COVID-19 specifically now, this reverence for God leads to the wisdom of how are we to react, right? How are we to deal with our circumstances that are unknown? he begins to give us that wisdom. He begins to show us the steps to take. So we just, just to recap, right? So a life on God's good path, it looks like surrendering to God first and foremost. Next, number two, a life on God's good path, it looks like being led by God's truth. Being led by God's truth. 
in verse five, David says, leave me by your truth and teach me for you are the God who saves me. Friends, God's word, his truth is what sustains us. I was talking to a friend just a couple days ago and I was reflecting, venting, if you will. And I was telling her, man, sometimes I feel like I go to so many different things for my sustainment for my food, right? To feed me. And sometimes it's God when I need something, right? When I'm desperate for him to show me something or, or, you know, whatever. And I realized, wow, the ways that I go to other things, they don't sustain me the way that his word does. His word is living water. And I was like, man, I want that living water to be like that reservoir that I drink from. It never leaves me thirsty. And I realized that needs to become more of a discipline in my life, right? It's, it's easier said than done. And, and so just with this point, I just wanted to, yeah, really stress the fact that may we consider tonight our time with the Lord. Are we being led by his truth? How are we to know his truth, right? If we're not in it. See, I think the more that we, the more that we look at his truth, even the more we realize who God's character is. And the more we realize that God never fails us. God will never fail us. My favorite verse in this Psalm is verse 10. It says, God leads us out of an unfailing love and a faithfulness. How beautiful is that? He leads us out of an unfailing love and a faithfulness. That's who he is. And I want to just touch on, you know, maybe for some of you tonight, you have a circumstance, you've been through something where it might've seemed like God has failed. And I just invite you to look at that circumstance and think maybe, maybe this is a point where God wants me to lean into his truth right? God's word says in Romans that God uses all things for the good of those who love him. And, you know, maybe we won't see that good today or tomorrow. Maybe we won't get that closure that we needed even this year or in this lifetime even, right? But the beauty is because of Jesus Christ, we have that victory, right? The best example I can think of is Jesus's death on the cross, right? I think of in that day and age, Jesus's death in that moment, it might've seemed like a failure to many, right? They're like, okay, God, like you died. Like what just happened? And yet we know, right? That through his death, that was the very victory that leads us and seals us and redeems us back to God, right? That beautiful gift of redemption that we have. And so we know, we know that he won't fail us, right? He will never forsake us. Instead, he is faithful. I think about, you know, on that note of things sustaining us, I think as human beings, we are so quick to search after the temporary satisfaction, right? I think about even like talking about God's path and the path that we're on as humans, right? We're often just out for what's best for us, right? Guilty as charged, right? Like, God, what is next for my career, for my life? How am I supposed to thrive or provide for my family? So on and so forth. And I had a realization during this um, preparation of, wow, God, maybe you're more concerned with my overall completeness than my contentment. God is more concerned with your completeness than our temporary contentment. See, my, one of my favorite verses is Colossians 2.9. Paul says, you are complete through your union with Christ. The Passion Translation puts it a little differently. It says, our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. How beautiful is that? So friends, that is, I hope just the the joy that we can take from tonight is even in a world of unknown, of uncertainty, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything different. You don't have to have it figured out because this life is complete and full because of our identity in Jesus Christ, 
right? And we, you don't, that, that's it. That is the anchor. That's our identity in Jesus. And so as I, I bring us to a close tonight, where I really want to land is this final point. This life on God's good path is one where our eyes are fixed completely on Jesus Christ. Fixing our eyes completely on Jesus Christ. That's a daily thing. Let's be real. I think it's an hourly thing sometimes, especially now in this season, it's an hourly thing. David says in this Psalm, all day long, I wait on you. See, David was waiting for what you and I already have, this gift in Jesus Christ, right? How beautiful is that? It's a, it's a true gift. In verse 21, David says, he's fixing his eyes on the Lord so that no enemy can trap him. And let's be real, friends, because the struggle is real, right? We live in a world that is fallen, right? Bad things happen. We can expect suffering, unfortunately. And we have an enemy that rules this world. And he wants to deceive us. He wants to discourage us. He wants to lead us astray, right? And so that's why I said hourly is because these traps are often camouflage. Um, I think of, there's another translation for the word trap and it talks about a snare, right? If you think of a snare, like even in like hunting terms, like in a forest, oftentimes hunters put those snares up and they are completely hidden in plain sight, right? The enemy wants to entice us with this world and he makes it look good. He makes it look enticing. And so what does it look like because we are not of this world to fix our eyes slowly on Jesus so we are not trapped in the snares of this world and the enemy? I think about, you know, just to give you some examples, because it really is just like one second, right? I think about when we're on social media and being on social media just a little bit longer, where it goes from just scrolling to falling through this like rabbit hole of comparison, right? That just leads us down that spiral and the negative self-talk that comes with that, right? The negative thoughts that we just talked about earlier. I think about engaging in that conversation that seems innocent, right? But is leading down a path of, to gossip. I think about purity, right, in relationships and how that is such a virtue and then getting caught up in a moment and crossing that line, right? It's, it's so hard to see and it takes one second. And so as I resolve to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, that's when I'm able to be strong, right? That's when I'm able to look more like him and withstand these snares of the enemy. And the best part of all is as I become more like Jesus, I'm also able to hope, Right? What are you hoping for in this season? Some of us are hoping for an eradic eradication of this virus, right? Of course. Some of us are hoping for that moment we can reunite with our friends and our loved ones for hugs, right? We're hoping for this time to be well spent, to be intentional time well spent. And, you know, we're still in an unknown, right? We don't have an answer. I don't, you don't, right? And yet, as we sit in this unknown, we're able to hope because of Jesus Christ, right? We're able to hope. Um, I read somewhere that said, confidence is the present tense of hope. I love that, right? So as we're hoping, which is future focused, as we're waiting, you know, for Jesus to, to do, to make his will known, we're able to be confident, right? In the here and now, we are not discouraged. We're not distressed. We're not pressed or crushed. We are hoping. We're confident. And that's the crux, right? That's the crux of our faith is that we can be hopeful and we can be confident knowing that God is guiding our path through this time. So friends, I want to come back to that question, right? What is your way of living? What, what path are you on right now? Who are you becoming? 
let us remember that through this psalm, David has beautifully led us through this journey of realizing that life on God's good path, like this life that God wants us to lead, is a life that is completely surrendered to his will, right? First and foremost, it's a life that is led by his truth and being in his word. And it's a life where we are completely fixing our eyes on Jesus daily, hourly, right? And so I, I have a few discussion questions that I am um, excited for your groups to consider tonight and to talk through. But as we close, I want to pray for us. And I've written out this prayer um, and I wanted this prayer to just walk us through what we just talked about, right? As we think about David and his event session with God, I wanted us to just kind of pray event session to God, right? And just talk through this and be led in this way. So um, if you're more of an auditory learner, you want to just close your eyes and just let this wash over you. Um, I'm happy to share this prayer too, if anyone wants it. But yeah, let's just close our eyes for a second and, and pray this prayer. God, Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you that there is so much truth in your word. God, I thank you that your truth leads us, Lord. And God, I just pray in this season over my brothers and sisters who are watching this, God, would you help us to consider what is my way of living? Just ask God right now, God, what path am I on? What is my way of living? Lord Jesus, would you help us to start off each morning in a posture of surrender? God, let it start with our thoughts. God, let us live in an awe and a reverence for you so we can hear you more clearly. God, would you remind us daily of the truth that you are more concerned with our completeness than you are with our contentment, God. Let us not get caught up. And Lord, finally, God, help us to stay strong in this fight, in this battle, with eyes that are completely fixed on you, Jesus. May we not look to the left or to the right. May we not be distracted by the glitter and the fluff of this world. May our eyes just be fixed on who you are, Lord. May we lean on you and be taught, Lord. And through this, God, would you give us the wisdom to take the path that you've set out for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, guys. May you know that you are loved and have an awesome week. Bye.